birthdays are a good thing. I've always enjoyed birthdays, especially my birthday, because like many of you, that's the one day where a lot of attention gets to be focused on us. But even more importantly, and probably even in a healthier way, it's an opportunity for all of us to stop and have the discipline of just kind of doing a personal inventory, thinking about our own history, where we've been, and the things that have happened in our lives, good things as well as difficult things. But to take stock of the community that surrounds us and the family that loves us and the people that care for us and the, the life that we've been given and the gift through our understanding of God's intervention in our lives, of bringing us to this place to give thanks for our family of origin and the fact that our, our mothers birthed us and our fathers were there for us in many cases. Just a lot of grateful thoughts can surround us on birthdays. We celebrate on Pentecost Sunday, this Sunday, the birthday of the church. And just like with individual birthdays, it's not just an excuse, but it's a valuable discipline to allow the focus to be on the church. Where did this come from? How did this begin? Well, it began out of a real struggle. A lot of unknowns were cycling through that early community of believers. In fact, if you really evaluate the background of that group that surrounded Jesus, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, marketing strategy. There weren't a lot of really, really smart uh, people who understood the cultural nuances of the Roman world. It was truly a miracle that this early church tradition that we're still very much a part of actually was able to begin with this group of people like you and me who didn't really have a full understanding of what God was up to in those days. Well, let's stop for a moment and celebrate this birthday of the church by reminding ourselves where we come from and what stands in the background of this amazing moment in our early history where really in a way out of nothing, a church was born and the tradition that you and I still are thankful for and are a part of and are desperately wanting to expand and embrace new friends into this movement of our church and the broader church family. Let's take a moment and think about how it all began, where it comes from. First of all, the word Pentecost is fascinating because it, it is a Greek word, Pentecost. It comes, it means five or 50, and it, it comes as a result of a Jewish tradition of a harvest festival, which way back, even before the earliest Hebrew days, there was an idea in that Middle Eastern area that this month of May, this time of beautiful spring, was a time of harvest. It was a time to commemorate and to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. The tradition, in a way, became much like our Thanksgiving tradition in the sense that it became a lot of uh, celebration of family, appreciation of a partnership with God, that there was this 
since the, the, the first fruits of the earth are things to be thankful for because it's not just us, it's not just the farmer and the, the harvester that makes this possible. It would not be possible if it were not for God's gift of sun and rain and seed and, and the fertility of the earth. And all these things are involved in this commemoration of Pentecost. It's a harvest festival to give thanks for the first fruits of the earth and a partnership with God. But as Judaism developed, as that early Hebrew tradition began to merge with this, this idea of giving thanks for first fruits and the partnership with God, there also became the tradition that Pentecost was the time when Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and was given the law. It became a moment of partnership with God through the Jewish people in the sense that God made intimate this relationship, gave instructions, and provided boundaries and, and a sense of, of action and interaction for the people of God. They became in a covenant relationship with Yahweh. It was this Pentecost memory that celebrated the giving of the law. But this also served as a, a moment. It was, it was considered to be uh, seven weeks or a week of weeks, or sometimes Pentecost in Jewish tradition is called the festival of weeks in the sense that it's seven weeks or a week of weeks following the Passover experience. So let's remind ourselves, Passover, of course, was the liberation of the Hebrew people from bondage in Egypt. And so on the 50th day, following that week of weeks, or seven weeks, on the 50th day, there was a commemoration of and a celebration of the fact that this was kind of a completion of that, that early movement. It's a gestation period of going through and into the wilderness, but then on Mount Sinai, having a new birth, in a way, by God's gift of the law to Moses and to the people of God. So Pentecost is both a harvest festival and the commemoration of the giving of the law. It's, in a way, a fulfillment of that early liberation celebrated through Passover as the, the people are moving into and through the, the wilderness in the direction of the promised land. In the midst of that, there is this birth, in a way, of a new people, by the giving of the law and the, com the connecting point with Yahweh. So Pentecost in this earliest tradition now is, is very much at the center of uh, Jewish identity and Jewish celebration and deep appreciation for this, this heritage that, that, lives, that lies generations before. Now keep in mind that Jesus and all of Jesus' disciples were Jewish. Pentecost, then, was a very, very important celebration where the Harvest Festival and the commemoration of the giving of the law were integrated fully into their understanding and their history. Everyone gathered on that Pentecost day in Jerusalem following Jesus' resurrection on Easter all of those people that Luke describes in the second chapter of Acts are Jewish. They are gathered together, giving thanks for first fruits 
and giving thanks for God's provision of the law, the structure, the boundaries, the, the ways that the people of God are to act and interact with one another. This lies then at the, the background, really, and, and, and becomes a focal point in many ways of Luke's now telling the story of the birth of the Christian church. It is happening, as with the Pentecost First Fruits Festival and the commemoration of the giving of the law, it's happening 50 days, 49 days plus the day of celebration, following Passover or, in Christian tradition, Easter. So in a way, Easter for us is our liberation from the power of sin and the fear of death. And for us now, this festival of weeks and this Pentecost celebration on the 50th day for the early church is now a birthday of the church that, that, that sort of floats on top of or is integrated in with the liberation from bondage in Egypt and the, the giving of the law and the first fruits of the harvest of God's good earth and partnership with God. So you see the, the richness that is fully integrated now into Luke's telling of this story. This harvest festival, this commemoration of the law, now has a completely new layer on it. And Luke tells it in this way. We're reminded that all these people, Jewish, are gathered in Jerusalem. They are followers of Jesus. They are remembering all these things that we've just spoken about. And then suddenly there is a major disruption. And the disruption also now has echoes of important biblical and Hebrew background. It is a real echo, a parallel of Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible tells us in the very first words coming into Genesis, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God blew across the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The way Luke layers now on top of that early telling of the creation story, he uses the same kind of imagery, this idea of, of God's breath, God's Spirit, the wind of God blowing across the face of the waters. Keep in mind, in the Hebrew that tells that early creation story, the word is ruach. It is this, this idea, the Hebrew word ruach means three things simultaneously. It can mean breath. It can also mean wind. It also means spirit. So in other words, blowing across the face of the waters, it is a wind. It is God's breath. And it is God's Spirit. In Christian tradition, we would also call this the, the Holy Spirit blowing across the face of the waters. And in that earliest Genesis tradition, the idea would be that God is taking the confusion of early creation, this chaos that is, is whipping around in the background in the midst of darkness. And God takes that chaos and breathes into it creation. It goes from this chaotic, confusing existence now to this beautiful sense of order. In fact, the Hebrew word 
that stands for the Passover meal, Seder, literally means order. And it's to refer back to that moment of creation when God brought order out of chaos and made creation as we know it now. This lies then at the heart of Luke's telling of this day of Pentecost. There is suddenly this, this order brought out of the chaos, or the at least the the lack of understanding that these early Jewish believers uh, were, were in the midst of. And suddenly we find that uh, the light of Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The light in the second chapter of Acts appears in the, the form of these flames of fire. Luke describes it as, it was though there were flames of fire over the heads of all the believers. Uh, it's not a literal uh, experience. It is very metaphorical and descriptive and echoing this idea of the coming of light into creation. Out of the darkness now there is this whole new sense of beauty and possibility for life because of light. Well, this is the case now in in this second chapter of Acts. And of course, fire also in, in those days, just like today, uh, was sort of a symbol of and stood for energy, a whole new sense of of potential and possibility, excitement. And it represented, too, the Spirit, which is why, of course, we have on Pentecost Sunday the tradition of wearing red. It is to remind ourselves of these flames of the Spirit, uh, the movement of God, this this mysterious inbreaking on this Pentecost day of of the birthday, this this birthing out of, of a sense, really, of, of nothingness. Remember, there was... There was crucifixion, there was death, there was defeat, there was just this, this uh, complete sense of isolation and desolation. But now suddenly there's resurrection, there's new possibility. So this, this Easter uh, experience in line with Passover, now 49 days later plus one, the 50th day, there is this completely new in breaking and the birthday of something new. We can call this uh, also in theological terms. I meant I, I used the word eschatological immediacy last week, or this phrase eschatological immediacy for those those early believers, kind of expecting the the immediate uh, coming back of Jesus. Well, there also was this eschatological moment. The word eschaton in Greek simply means the ending of one thing and the beginning of something else. And in the tradition of our early church, this birthday of the church, there is the, the ending of an old tradition and the beginning of a new tradition. It is God starting something new. It's like the creation story in Genesis, this whole new birth of a movement that God is going to do something remarkable with ordinary people. Remember, it also coincides with the ascension of Jesus in the first chapter. Jesus gives the disciples new walking orders, a new job description, which is, I'm sure, confounding to them in that moment. The same with us, uh, that, that in, a, in a way, Jesus is saying, I am physically not going to be with you, but you will be taking my place. You will be doing my job. I am empowering you to be like me which was what our theme last week was, empowered to be like Jesus, to do what Jesus does. 
And this is now the, the real beginning of that movement where Luke is saying uh, Jesus has ascended. Jesus is not physically present, but the spirit of Jesus, this, this Holy Spirit, is a part of the Christian community now in ways that we really have trouble wrapping our heads around, but uh, can, if we allow ourselves, can begin to really feel and experience. And this is what's happening with this early group of believers. Uh, beyond their imagination, beyond their own abilities, they are suddenly discovering the Spirit of God creating something new, empowering them to be in ways that they had never fully imagined. It's a remarkable moment in our early church history, and it's one we can look back on and say, there's nothing really that could have prepared us for this. Those early believers were folks just like us, not exceptionally talented, certainly not conversant in, in multiple languages. Uh, they were considered Galileans. They were from the northern part of the country where, uh, sadly, there was some bias, some prejudice against those people. They weren't as well educated. They weren't as sophisticated. They were unable to really integrate fully into the broader uh, Roman Greek world. And so therefore, it's truly remarkable, Luke is trying to point out to us, that this group of regular folks, God is going to use to do something amazing. We look at the Pentecost experience and the birth of the church and the fact that those people gathered in Jerusalem, other Jewish people from all other places around the Roman world, and Luke goes to great pains of link uh, of listing that lengthy uh, grouping of all these places these people had come from, and they spoke all these different languages. They were Jewish, and yet they had gathered in Jerusalem, uh, coming from different places, and none of them really speaking uh, really well a common language, and suddenly they hear this group of Galileans, uneducated, country bumpkin kind of folks, speaking to them in their language. The gift here, the real miracle, uh, many scholars say, is not so much that the people, those Galileans, were given the gift of speaking other languages. The real gift here is that those people outside of that group were given the gift of hearing the languages. In other words, there was a common language that suddenly became a part of that community where everybody began to understand where everybody else was coming from. This is one of those miraculous moments that Luke wants to point to and say, this doesn't have to stop on the day of Pentecost. God's Spirit is still at work. In spite of the divisiveness, the craziness, the messiness, the unconventionality, the, the lack of real clarity on what's going to happen next, uh, pandemic times that we've been living through, and yet, Luke goes to pain, great pains throughout the description in the second chapter of Acts and through the rest of the book of Acts to say, this doesn't just stop on Pentecost. It is a celebration of the first fruits. It's a commemoration of God's giving of the law. It is connected to Passover. We connect it to Easter. It is connected to the ascension of Jesus and the commissioning of those early believers. It is connected to the fact that, that now, 50 days after Easter, the birth of the church coincides with and parallels with a new creation 
where in a way we are still partnered with God in a harvest festival where where we move out from our individual lives, uh, perhaps not terribly confident in our own ability to communicate or serve as witnesses, or as we said last week, a light unto the nations, so that God's salvation will be known to the ends of the earth. We don't have that kind of gift, but God does. Uh, the day of Pentecost, Luke wants us to know, the Bible echoes consistently, uh, this is not about us. This is all about God's doing and, and how God works through fallible, inconsistent vessels like you and me, earthen vessels that just uh, aren't anywhere close to being what we'd like to be or what we think God would like us to be. And yet God really seems to enjoy using people like you and me. And those early believers in Jerusalem who had no clue and yet helped to change the course of history. It's still very much possible. And it's still Pentecost today. Brothers and sisters, may you be open and available to the Spirit of God, creating something new, even out of the confusion and chaos of our lives, where God still says, let there be light, and there is light. May it be so this day and every day. Thanks be to God. Amen.